So they'll just randomly develop these wings in certain individuals and they will fly off and uh, land on other plants to start reproducing. And reproduce they will. Hey, I'm Karen, and together with my husband, I spent over a decade researching and learning and building our small farm through lots of trial and error, successes and failures. I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture to help our farm business, and now I want to pass all that knowledge on to you. Because I firmly believe that self-reliance is empowering, and that everyone, whether you've got a five-acre plot in the country, a half-acre lot in suburbia, or a windowless room in a downtown apartment, should just grow something. Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast. This Garden Talk Tuesday, we are digging deep into one particular garden pest, aphids. Um, I have already seen tons of posts on social media this season about aphids in the garden, cries for help in getting rid of them, um, or help in identifying these garden pests. So I'm going to devote this episode to helping you identify aphids, determine what damage they can do to your plants, whether you need to worry about removing them, and if so, how to go about curbing their enthusiasm for your plants. So exactly what is an aphid? Aphids are small, soft-bodied insects. They have a slender, piercing-sucking mouth part. And yes, that is the technical entomological term, piercing-sucking. Um, they use those mouth parts to pierce the stems or the leaves or other tender plant parts to suck out the nutrient-rich fluids from the plant. Most aphids especially like the succulent new growth on plants, but there are species that target the roots of your plant. And these guys are tiny. The adults are smaller than a quarter inch in length. The nymphs or the juveniles look just like the adults, only even more minuscule. Their bodies are pear-shaped and they have long antenna. And they come in a myriad of colors, white, black, brown, gray, yellow, pink, green, you name it. And some of them also appear to be covered in a white fuzz. This woolly look is due to the secretion of a wacky, uh, waxy white substance all over their body. Um, another identifying factor is that most species of aphids have two short tubes called cornicles that project backward out of the hind end of their body. So if you see these cornicles, this distinguishes aphids from all other insects. So you know that you're dealing for sure with aphids if you see these cornicles. Generally, adult aphids do not have wings, but most species can develop a winged form when the populations are really dense and there's a lack of food or the quality of food has declined. This ability to produce winged individuals provides these insects with a way to travel to other plants to reproduce and start a new colony, even if they don't normally have wings. Insects are amazing. So they'll just randomly develop these wings in certain individuals and they will fly off and uh, land on other plants to start reproducing. And reproduce they will. Aphids can have many generations in one season. In a mild climate, uh, especially someplace like California, they can reproduce throughout most of the year with adult females giving birth to live offspring, often as many as like 12 a day, without the need to mate. 
so they produce asexually. Many species of aphids in these mild climates can develop from newborn nymph to reproducing adults in just seven days. That's a lot of aphids in a very short amount of time. Now, in colder climates, some species do mate and produce eggs in the fall or the winter, which gives them the ability to survive harsh winter weather. In some cases, these aphids will lay their eggs on an alternative host, usually a perennial plant where the eggs can survive the winter, and then they'll hatch and feed on that plant in the spring until their preferred plant host is viable again. So aphids will often feed in dense groups on leaves or stems, and they don't usually move very rapidly when they're disturbed. This is another way that you can distinguish them from other common plant pests like leafhoppers. And while aphids in general feed on a wide variety of plants, there are different species of aphids that can be specific to certain plants. So some of these different species include bean aphids, but those also attack um, woody ornamentals and flowers, cabbage aphids, which attack literally anything in the cabbage family, potato aphids, which also feed on spinach, lettuce, tomato, and plenty of other of your garden plants, green peach aphids, which also attack peppers, spinach, tomato, any of the curcubits, carrots, lettuces, all kinds of other vegetables and fruits and fruit trees. Um, there are melon or cotton aphids, and they also attack the curcubits and carrots and different citruses, um, many different flowers, and also uh, different types of woody landscape ornamental plants. And then there's a woolly apple aphid, which is exactly what it sounds like. These little buggers are everywhere. Oh, and aphids love roses, and they can swarm a plant in a major attack pretty quickly, so keep a close eye on your rose bushes if you are a rose grower. So how can you tell when aphids have been feeding on your plants if you don't see the actual insect right away? Look for misshapen, curling, like stunted or yellowing leaves. And be sure to check the undersides of the leaves because aphids love to hide there. If the leaves or the stems are covered with a sticky substance, that's a sign that aphids have likely uh, been there feeding. Uh, this is called honeydew. It's a sugary liquid that is produced by the aphids as a waste product. And in some situations, ants will tend to aphids, farming them like livestock, so they can feed on the honeydew that they excrete. And then at the same time, the ants will protect the aphids from their natural enemies. So, you know, if you see an influx of ants uh, in and around a, a colony of aphids, it's likely that they are driving off any beneficial um, predatory insects that would normally be taking care of that aphid population. Um, this honeydew that the aphids excrete can sometimes encourage a fungal growth called sooty mold, and it can cause branches and leaves to appear black. That's another indication that you have um, a heavy aphid infestation. 
And then flowers or fruit can become distorted or deformed due to feeding aphids. And then some aphid species can cause galls to form on roots or leaves. Galls are those little knot type looking um, bumps that can be on leaves or on roots when you pull them up. And then also aphids can transmit viruses between plants when, when they move populations. So once you've got aphids, how do you get rid of them? Well, first let's consider your garden ecosystem. If your plants are healthy and your soil is healthy and you're growing plants in and around your garden that attract beneficial insects, it's likely you won't have to do anything at all to rid yourself of aphids. Beneficial predatory insects like ladybugs, specifically their larvae, um, and green lacewings and other predators like birds will naturally move right in when you've got aphids if you've provided a good habitat for them. So that includes not spraying chemical pesticides or herbicides that can be detrimental to them, uh, growing plants that attract beneficial insects like clover, mint, dill, or fennel, um, and pro providing houses for bug-eating birds like wrens and chickadees. Even just having shrubs and small trees in and around your garden area is enough to pr provide shelter and encourage birds to build their own nests and to hunt for insects. If you're not naturally attracting these beneficials, you can purchase ladybugs and lacewing eggs to release into your garden. Just keep in mind, it's the ladybug larvae that do the most damage to an aphid population. So you may need to be patient to see real progress with those. You'll likely get them as adults and have to wait for them to start reproducing in order to really see it uh, making a dent. Um, and if you're dealing with root aphids, then there's beneficial nematodes that can be purchased and introduced into your soil. We've been known to purchase all of these different beneficials. Um, we get them from a company called Arbico Organics, and they've always done really well for us. Um, and I will link to their page in the show notes. You can also plant things that act as aphid repellents in and near your most aphid-prone plants. Um, these include plants like catnip, garlic, chives, onion, anything in the allium family. And you can also practice trap cropping. So this is when you plant things that the aphids are particularly attracted to as a sacrificial plant to keep them away from the plants that you want to get a harvest from. So by planting rows of a trap crop near your vegetables, the aphids will be attracted to the trap crop and will usually leave your main crop alone. So for example, nasturtiums, nettle, zinnias, cosmos, asters, mustard, and sunflowers are all especially attractive to aphids. And in most cases, the zinnias and the sunflowers can actually handle fairly high populations of aphids without too many ill effects on the plant. So it gives them a steady food source away from the plants that you intend to harvest. So if you've got an infestation that's not being controlled by natural predators, there are other ways to rid yourself of them. But just keep in mind, most larger plants can tolerate light to moderate levels of aphids with very little damage. And so it may not be necessary to do anything at all. But if you do feel the need to get rid of them, here are some examples of things that you can do without turning to chemical pesticides. 
So start with just plain old water. Spray aphids off of the plants with a strong stream of water from your garden hose. This method is most effective early on in the season before an infestation has fully taken hold, and it may not be a good choice for young seedlings or for really delicate plants, but it does work really well on plants where you can use a higher water pressure. You can also remove them by hand. Uh, throw on some garden gloves and just knock them off of the stems or the leaves or the flower buds or wherever you see them. Um, it's handy to have a bucket of soapy water uh, and carry that with you. And then you can just knock them off into the bucket of the soapy water. Or you can also cut or prune the affected areas off and just drop those into the bucket. It's also a good way to kind of alleviate some of the damage or eliminate some of the damage that they've been causing by just chopping it off and throwing it into the bucket. Um, you can also make a homemade aphid spray by mixing a few tablespoons of a pure liquid soap, like a Castile soap, into um, a small bucket of water. Avoid using detergents or any products that have like degreasers or moisturizers or anything in them. You just want pure liquid soap. And then mix it with the water and put it into a spray bottle and then apply with the spray bottle directly onto the aphids and the affected parts of the plant, making sure that you soak the undersides of the leaves because this is where the eggs and the larvae like to hide. The soap dissolves the protective outer layer of the aphids and other soft-bodied insects too, which eventually kills them. The good thing is, is it doesn't harm birds and it doesn't harm any hard-bodied beneficial insects like the uh, ladybugs or the lacewings, and it doesn't affect the pollinating bees. You can also purchase ready-to-use insecticidal soaps um, online or at your local nursery or even at the hardware store um, and use it in the same manner. You can also use neem oil. Um, the organic compounds in neem oil act as a repellent for aphids and other insects like mealybugs or cabbage worms, um, those leaf miners, uh, ants, beetles, and various types of caterpillars. The only problem with neem oil is that it may also repel the beneficial insects. So be careful when and where you are using it. Follow the package instructions. You're going to dilute the oil in the water or you can use a ready-to-use neem oil spray to spray the affected um, areas. Neem oil is also good for controlling different types of fungi too. So if you have fungal infections going on with your plants, uh, neem oil is another, another good one. Um, I've also seen people use uh, essential oils. They create their own spray mixture with essential oils. Um, I've used this off and on um, for different uh, insects. I've never actually used it specifically for aphids, but I don't know why it wouldn't work. It's worked on other, on other insects with us. Um, usually use a four to five drops of... Um, peppermint and clove and rosemary and thyme. I also generally will add some tea tree oil in there as well. So four to dry, five drops of each of those, and then you mix it with some water into a spray bottle. And then again, you're spraying it on the affected plants to target the adults, um, as well as the larva and the eggs. 
again, this is, is really much more uh, as a repellent um, than anything else. And then finally, you can use uh, diatomaceous earth. DE, it's, it's a non-toxic non-toxic um, organic material. It will desiccate or dry out the aphids. Just don't apply diatomaceous earth when your plants are in bloom because it can actually be harmful to the pollinators as well. Um, we don't use diatomaceous earth. We actually use first Saturday lime instead. Um, it's free of any sharp silica or sharp edges, but it's still effective at drying out the soft-bodied insects like aphids. So that is the one that we prefer to use. So that's it on aphids. Uh, I'm hoping that it gives you an idea of what to look for, um, how to prevent them from becoming a problem in your garden, and um, what to do about them um, if you feel like you need to um, uh, break down or alleviate some of the, uh, the pressure from them in your garden. So leave me some feedback about the episode or about any of these episodes. You can use the uh, link in the show notes to leave me a voice message, or you can send me an email to grow at justgrowsomethingpodcast.com. You can also go to that website and use the contact form. Uh, it's time to start sending in your gardening questions again for our next Can You Dig It episode. That'll be the first Friday in June. And um, again, leave me some feedback. Let me know um, how you're enjoying these episodes. It really is helpful if you download the episodes when you listen to them. Also rate and review in all the places, particularly on Apple Podcasts, because that seems to be the gold standard for rating these shows. And it seems to be the way that people usually find uh, their new favorite uh, podcast, which I hope this is becoming one of yours. So I will... Um, Look forward to talking to you again Friday. In the meantime, keep on cultivating that dream garden and I will talk to you again soon. You just finished another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. I hope these episodes are helping you understand more about how to grow your own food and maybe growing an awareness of food issues in general. Just remember, no matter where you live or what you have, you can absolutely grow something. Mm -hmm.